And so we're beginning the school year by looking at Jesus, uh, hoping to see him in a fresh uh, light, to see him, as Chris was reminding us last week, last week to see him lifted up, to see him exalted, uh, to see why we believe and affirm that Jesus is worthy of all praise and, and worship. And we're doing this by reflecting upon these uh, extraordinary uh, statements that Jesus makes that are recorded in the Gospel of John, uh, sometimes referred to as the I Am uh, sayings of Jesus. Uh, there are seven of these, and some of you, I think, could recite them if you, if you tried. Uh, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Tonight we're going to talk about I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, then in chapter 15, I am the vine. And uh, perhaps the most extraordinary of, of them all is uh, the one in which Jesus, in, in a time of disputing with uh, the religious leaders, um, he says to them, before Abraham, uh, their forefather, uh, before Abraham was, I Extraordinary statements uh, from the lips of Jesus. And uh, tonight, as I said, we're going to turn to John chapter 14 uh, and the statement that I am the way and the truth and the life. And these are words which Jesus utters on the eve of his death. And uh, in this context, what we find is the disciples are asking Jesus question uh, after question as a result of the things that he's telling them. He, he tells them uh, that he's leaving, and uh, that confuses them, that troubles them, uh, and suddenly they are plunged into a kind of a, a crisis of faith. And so as we look at this passage tonight, I want us to think together about how Jesus addresses them and how he addresses us in the midst of a crisis of faith. So let's first of all read uh, this text. We're going to read a couple of verses out of chapter 13, and uh, then uh, the opening section of John chapter 14. As I said, Jesus is with his close uh, disciples. Uh, they, they are having dinner together. This is the night in which he is betrayed. And so beginning in chapter 13, verse 33, Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said previously to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Simon Peter, one of his followers, said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter doesn't understand. Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And then Jesus continues, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. 
How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. But Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. So this is God's word, the words of Christ to his disciples. And the situation, I, I hope you get the picture, that they find themselves in, has brought them into a crisis uh, with regard to their faith in Jesus. And Jesus' sobering words uh, to Peter in particular uh, have shut Peter up. I mean, Peter, we find in the Gospels, is, is rather valuable, but in John's narrative, Peter does not speak again until, uh, as is recorded in John chapter 18, the next recorded words out of Peter's mouth are words of denial when he says, I do not know him. He denies that he is one of Jesus' disciples. The crisis that the disciples face in this moment, Jesus has promised that, that, that he's, he's promised, he's told them he's leaving, he's promised uh, or stated that one of the, the most prominent among them is going to deny him. And this, this plunges them into a, a, a time of crisis. And I think that their crisis can be helpful to us as we also face moments of doubt and uncertainty. And I want to think about three questions that emerged from this account, three questions they had, uh, which are also three questions I think that, that we are often asking in these kinds of times. First, has God abandoned me? Second, how can I how can I trust God when I don't understand? And third, what is God really like? Why, why can't I see him? So let's work our way through these. Uh, in the first uh, question, has God abandoned me? You know, what's, what's troubling him? He's, he's announced his departure, which is very confusing to them. I mean, you guys sort of know the story, but this, this really threw them. And, um, you know, the, the response that, that he gives to them uh, is, uh, are, are words that, that are uh, perhaps very familiar to you, at, at your age maybe many of you haven't been to funerals yet, but these are words that are very commonly shared around the time of someone's death, let not your heart be troubled, uh, in my father's house are many rooms, I go to prepare a place for you. But it's worth noting that when Jesus is comforting his disciples in this moment, um, he, he, he's, he's not uh, uh, comforting them in the face of uh, death per se. I mean, certainly he is about to die. But the words that he's speaking to them to comfort them, I mean, these are comforting words in the face of death, don't get me wrong. But the comfort that he's offering them is in the face of the present difficulty that they are 
uh, about to go through that is troubling them. And in the midst of that difficulty, their temptation, as ours often is, is to feel that God has abandoned them. I mean, he's, he's just given them news that makes it very plain that trouble lies ahead. And who are these people? These are people who have literally done what? They have literally left everything to attach themselves to him. They have, they have left their livelihood, um, everything to attach themselves to follow him. And now he's saying to them, hey guys, I'm leaving. I mean, try to, try to uh, picture that. They're like, wait, what? What? You're leaving? Um, and so they're, they're uh, perplexed. And, and in the midst of this, this trouble, he, he comforts them. And his, his answer to their confusion and their bewilderment uh, and the turmoil that they're experiencing and their sense that he is, is abandoning them, his answer to them is a call to faith. It's a call to uh, trust. He says in a very straightforward way, believe in God. Believe also in me. And, uh, you know, we sometimes chide one another for quoting Bible verses to one another in times of trouble. Uh, well, that's superficial. That's a cliche. That's a platitude. You know, I think we, we need to grapple with the fact that in this moment, this is not a cliche. This is not a platitude. This, this, is, uh, this is Jesus standing face to face with his followers who have left everything to follow him and now... Events are taking a turn that is unexpected and is bewildering to them. And he's saying, listen, guys, trust me. Believe me. Don't let your heart give way to turmoil and trouble. Believe me. Yes, hard times are coming. And he knows that far better than they do. His own betrayal, the, the denials, the abandonment, the crucifixion. But in the face of all that, he's saying, listen, guys, trust me. Things are not falling apart. And that's what we often think. Oh, everything's falling apart, and where is God? And in that moment, Jesus is saying to them, no, things are not falling apart. As a matter of fact, guys, as impossible as it is for you to see this in this moment, things are not falling apart. Things are coming together. You just can't see it right now. Trust me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And in that moment, what's the comfort that he offers uh, to them? The promise that he asks them to hold on to is, yeah, he, he, he doesn't say, you know what, guys, never mind. You don't have to go through all this stuff. I'll just take it away. You know, it's going to be too hard for you anyway. I'll just make it easy. He doesn't say anything like that. Um, but he does give them a word that explains why and how they can face the trouble that is coming without despair. And that's something much more precious. He promises them, what, two things. Uh, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I am not abandoning you. Yes, I'm, I'm about to go away, but I am not abandoning you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you know what? I'm not going to stay there and... and Leave it to you to figure out how to get there or something like that. I, I will come for you and I will take you to my, 
self that where I am, you may also be. And that, those are extraordinary promises, comforting promises. All of my kids were swimmers. And uh, they, they swam, uh, if, if you know anything about the, the language, they were club swimmers, which basically meant that they swam six days a week. Uh, long practices, always in the pool, green hair, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, not really. They, they, but they, were, they were swimmers. They were in the pool all the time. And um, we did a lot of driving of our kids back and forth to swim practice. And yes, once or twice, we did forget to pick them up. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, finally, we, somebody called us, and finally we'd get over there, and my kids would be the only kids standing there on the curb, like, Mommy, Daddy. Uh, but you know, even then, they always believed, oh, Mom and Dad will be here eventually. You know, They're probably talking to some student or something like that. Um, but you know, Christ's word is so much more certain. I mean, we love our kids. We, we, would, we would give our lives for our kids. We love them like nothing else. But Christ's word is so much more certain. His trustworthiness so far exceeds ours. His love for us is so much greater than, than my love for my kids. His goodness is so much more complete. His power is, is beyond even making a comparison. And when Jesus says, I will come for you, you can, you can rest in that promise. I'm going to prepare a place for you, he says, and I will come for you. And the great paradox and the great central message of, of our Christian faith, we say, well, how does he prepare a way? The, the great paradox is that he does that by his own death. It is by his own death that he makes a way for us to enjoy the presence of God forever. And so the reason that he must depart to prepare this place, to make a way uh, for us to, to, to be to the Father, that's why he's, he's going away. And the way that he's going to do that for them, the way he does that for us, is by dying on the cross, by bearing our sins in his own body, by dying, by rising again. And as surely as he, he would die, so he will return again for them. And this, this way-making of Jesus is and has always been the Christian's uh, sweetest, uh, the Christian's blessed hope. You know, Paul will write to the, to the Thessalonians, the Lord himself, he says, will descend from heaven. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. The dead, those who have already died uh, as followers of Christ, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are still alive upon the earth at that time, we who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. That, there is the Christian's hope. And Paul says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let not your hearts be troubled.
God has not abandoned you. And Jesus is saying, look guys, yes, I'm going away, but I'm, I'm coming for you. I've not abandoned you. Well, so that leads us into the second question uh, that, that arises here. Well, how can I how can I trust God if I don't, basically, if I don't understand what he's doing? How do I believe God when I don't understand? And uh, here, uh, Thomas speaks out. Um, and, uh, you know, he's thinking logically. Basically, he's saying, well, if I, if I don't understand where Jesus is going, how can... Uh, how can I possibly know the way to get where he's going? Right? I mean, that's the way his mind's thinking. It's very, uh, very literal, very spatial. It, it's like he wants the Google map um, with, that has a step-by-step direction. Okay, here's where you're going, and, and here's how you get there. But he's like, wait a minute, how do we get there? I don't even know where you're talking about. I don't even know where, where we're going. And, and I think that, that this is a great picture of us all too often, right? Uh, we, we want everything to be mapped out, and we become very anxious when, when the path forward is not clear, because we, we feel insecure, we, we don't feel like we're in control, um, and, and we may, uh, if we don't see the, the, the path forward clearly, we may struggle to trust that God even has a good plan for us. And for some of, uh, some of us, this... this Need to feel a sense of control is is huge in in our uh, hearts and in our minds uh, and and in terms of our sense of well being in, in the world, which you know is not very smart. Um, I know you guys are smart, but it's, it's not very smart given that I think we also recognize how little control we have over uh, so much of what happens to us. But Jesus. Response challenges this way of thinking, saying, "God, no, I need, I need a, a Google map." Um, <clears throat> he says to Thomas and to us, in effect, "No, you're you're missing the point. the The way that I'm talking about is not. Don't conceive of it as spatial. Don't conceive of it as as material. Don't conceive of it as geographic. It's not about a series of events." or of, of milestones, all of our natural ways of thinking. But notice also that Jesus doesn't say, oh, oh, relax, Thomas, don't worry about it, because I'll show you the way. He doesn't say that to him either, right? What does he say? He says, I am the way. And that's astonishing. I mean, you guys have heard these verses, and you're like, okay. No, that is astonishing. Jesus says, I am the way. The way to God, and this is at the heart, again, of our Christian faith, the way to God is a person. It is not a set of precepts. It is not some pathway to enlightenment. The way to God is a person. And the understanding that we need to come to is that if we want to know God, if we want to enjoy Him forever, we need to know Jesus. It's as simple as as that. We need to believe the truth of God that he reveals to us, that he explains to us, that he embodies for us, and we need to embrace him as, as the giver and the sustainer of life. I am the way and the truth and the life, he says. 
If you want to come to God, you need to come to me. And you know, sometimes we wrestle with this, but this is why Christianity must be exclusive. Jesus is not another wise teacher among many. He's not like, you know, the, the story of the blind men, you know, holding different parts of the elephant and saying, well, to me, an elephant is like this. Uh, to me, God is like this. Jesus is, is not um, someone who's just imparting his theories and insights into the way to God. He's claiming something profound and radical. He's saying, no, I am the way to God. I am, to, to quote the, the Old Testament language, Emmanuel. I am God with you. And so to reject Jesus, and we, we, we have to understand this is what the Bible is saying. To reject Jesus is to reject God. To receive Jesus is to receive God. To know Jesus is to know God. To know the truth that he reveals, to embrace it, uh, is to know life. It is to have and experience the very life of God. So, how can I believe God when I don't understand? Well, the answer to this second crisis of faith is not that God is going to lay it all out for you. Uh, a plan of everything that's going to happen and how you're going to get from point A to point B. And I'll be honest, how you get from point A to point B may be very difficult. It may be <coughs> painful. I have no idea what God has for you. But what Jesus says is, no, I'm not going to give you a, a, a map like that. I'm going to give you myself. And, and in effect, he says, listen, stop worrying. You are with me. You are with me. You don't need to work. Don't be troubled. You don't have to know everything that's going to happen. All you have to know is you are with me. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the one. This leads us to the third question that I think we all ask. Well, how can I know what God is really like? I mean, I wish, if I could only see him, this, you know, Bill, what you're saying would be a lot easier if God was more, you know, more real. You know, if I could just see him, do you ever feel that way? Um, I know some of you feel that way. If only God would show himself to me. And, uh, you know, in, in, in this case, Uh, Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father. It's enough for us. I love this. You know, he, he just wants a little more. He says, Jesus, Jesus, I mean, maybe I'm, it's, it's always hard because, you know, in the original language, the original conversation, it's a little hard to discern always what the tone is. But, I mean, you hear that? And Jesus, just, just show us the Father and, and that'll be enough for us. Right? Um, I, I'm just like, wow, really? I mean, this is a, an extremely audacious request. Just show us the Father, and then we'll be okay. I mean, you know, if you think back to your Old Testament, do you, do you remember that 
um, when God is, is talking to Moses, and, and Moses also wants some, some assurance from God, this is in Exodus chapter 33, God just says to him, you know, uh, Moses, you can't see my face, sorry, but it would kill you. No one uh, can see my face and live. And, and so here's, here's Philip saying, just show us the Father and, that, and that'll be enough for us. You know, wow. And yet, and yet, how does Jesus respond to him? Does he say, you know, you're a bonehead? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He, he, what he says is, is in some ways even more <laughs> stunning than anything you can imagine. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You want to see the Father? Look at me. And so here, one of the, the most amazing statements, uh, among many amazing statements in the scripture, this is stunning. John opens his gospel in chapter 1 by saying about Jesus, no one has ever seen God. And then he follows that up in reference to Jesus, and he says, the only one who is himself God, who is in the closest fellowship with the Father, talking about Jesus, he has made him known. The Word who was with God, who was God, who became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus. And so Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. This is so amazing. Do you know that sometime later, after Jesus had died, had uh, been raised from the dead, and he begins to appear to his uh, followers. And uh, one of the, the, the disciples who's featured here in our story tonight, Thomas, uh, has trouble believing uh, that, that Jesus has really uh, alive. And uh, so he says, I'm not going to believe it unless I see his hands, the, the marks of the nails, and place my finger uh, into his side. Unless I can see that, I will not believe. And a week after he said that, they're all gathered together, Thomas with him. The doors are locked, and Jesus comes and stands in their midst. And he says straight to Thomas, put your finger here, and see my hands, and put your, uh, uh, put your hand here, place it in my sight. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas in this moment, realizes that he is standing face to face, not with a mere man, but he is standing face to face with Jesus. And what does he say to him? My Lord and my God. He who has seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. And you may say, well, that was Thomas, but what about me? You know, and the text continues there. Jesus says, if you believe because you've seen me face to face, you've touched me, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. <coughs> you might not find that to be as comforting as you would like, but we have on strong testimony, the testimony of eyewitnesses who, who stood face to face with him and saw him alive. This strong testimony 
that leads them to exclaim, my Lord and my God. My heart is no longer troubled. I have no fear of being abandoned. Now I understand. And so my, my challenge to you tonight, when you're tempted to say, how can I know what God is really like? Why can't I see him? I wish I could see him. My challenge to you tonight is if you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Is God just? Is God just? Look at Jesus. When you go to the Gospels, what do you find? You find that Jesus cares about the oppressed. He's not indifferent to them. You see that Jesus is angered by injustice and by hypocrisy. You see that he's unafraid to call sin out by name. You see that he is, is uh, perfectly willing to speak uh, about judgment and accountability. Is God just? Look at Jesus. Is God kind? Look at Jesus. We see that he welcomes those who exclude others. He welcomes the lepers. He welcomes the children. He welcomes women. He welcomes people who feel that they do not deserve to be in his presence. He welcomes people from other cultures. And says, come unto me. He receives all who come unto him gladly. Is, is God kind? Look at Jesus. Is God compassionate? Look at Jesus. We see him responding to those who are suffering. We see that he, he is not indifferent to people who are in need. We see that he knows and makes provision for the guilt that we all carry and our need for forgiveness. I mean, this is what God is like. This is not us imagining God the way we want him to be, hoping that he's just and kind and compassionate. This is Jesus in the flesh revealing to us that God is a just God, that he is a kind God, that he is a merciful God, that he is a loving and compassionate God, that he is a loving Father who wants to welcome us home, who wants that so powerfully that he is willing to send his Son into the world to die upon the cross for us, that he might make a way for us to be welcomed eternally into the presence of God. And Jesus says, I will come for you. I will not abandon you. And so whatever your crisis of faith might be tonight, the place to bring it is to Jesus. What we encounter in the Gospel of John, what we encounter in the Gospels, what we encounter in the Scripture, is, is the living God, the creator of the world, present in our midst, in our world, in the person of his beloved Son, the, the, the eternal image, the exact radiance of his being, and, and through faith, through believing and receiving that Jesus for all that he is, we find that we are, beyond all imagining, connected to this one, through him to the Father. And so we share in a life that is eternal, that is supernatural. Jesus is the way. 
Jesus is the truth and the life. Come to God through him. Don't be troubled tonight. Please trust in him. That's right. Father, thank you so much for this word that uh, is so familiar to me and yet has stirred me so deeply as I have reflected upon it again. And I pray that you would use this word in our hearts tonight. We're so often plagued by so many questions. Lord, are you are you here? Do you care? Have you forgotten me? Lord, can I trust you? Father, I pray that this passage would call us back to Jesus and that we would find in him the answers to all of these questions. That we would find in him a hope and a comfort that calms our troubled hearts and it gives us strength and courage for today and for tomorrow. We pray in his name.